0: A lot of stuff to get to today. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, you you can't win if you don't fight. It's the headline on a piece by Don Serber, who is a retired newspaperman who lives in West Virginia. And we'll get to that. But first, but first, there is uh, some news. We were going over some of the details on this legislation yesterday. There was uh, uh, some movement. On the Senate Bill 579, the Prevent Harm to Children bill that's in the North Carolina, was in the North Carolina Senate, the, uh, the body yesterday unanimously passed this legislation. You did not hear incorrectly, folks. It was unanimous. Unanimous. Which means what? Democrats supported it. Democrats are targeting transgender people or no. What happened? Because I'm old enough to remember when yesterday the Republicans were targeting transgender people, trying to kill them all. But then also yesterday. The Democrats voted with the Republicans on the bill. And. Do you ever. Do you ever see people trying out political attacks and messaging and stuff and. You see it really at more of a local level, sometimes a state level, but usually by the time you get up to a state level position and you're doing branding efforts, you're usually a little bit better at it. But sometimes, you know, the, the strategy, the marketing approach is so obviously bad. It's kind of comical. You know, it's so bad. It's good. This is one of those cases. (laughs) This is one of those cases. All right. So Democrats have been scrambling at the general assembly to try to figure out how to, not be seen as purveyors of porn to kids but also painting the republicans as trying to murder transgender people and anti-lgbt right so it's a it's a tough line to walk especially when you get so many of the activists that come out like we heard yesterday in the hearings the public hearings they come out and they essentially demand to be given carte blanche to perform whatever kind of risque shows they would like to perform in front of kids while denying that they are doing anything pornographic or obscene but also saying that if you pass this rule that increases penalties for performing pornographic or obscene sexual conduct in front of or or, or products in front of a child, that you'll face stiffer penalties. Sorry, harsher penalties, yes, harsher penalties. So at the same time you're saying that You're not doing this thing. You are also worried that the harsher penalties will be used against you, which would be odd if you're not doing those things, right? So Democrats have been all in on the activist messaging here. They've been making these arguments. Uh, The lawmakers were making these arguments. You heard heard the activists make them in more hyperbolic, over-the-top theatrical kind of ways. Oh, my God, you're killing us, like that kind of stuff. But the Democratic lawmakers were they were arguing the same or from the same position. They would say things just it's really vague. And that prompted the Republican whip, Jim Perry, state senator, to say it's not vague at all. It's only nine lines. Read it. (laughs) It's right there. It's not vague. So yesterday, this thing comes up for the vote. Now, Democrats tried to do something (laughs) <laughs> this is what I mean by – it really is like amateur hour. It, this is something I would expect at the city ca- – no, not even a city council. I would expect this from an HOA board, that level of politics. I mean like single A, you know? Not that I – hashtag not all HOA boards. But this is the kind of maneuver I would expect. Okay, so first <laughs> we get an amendment – this amendment is floated by one Senator Grafstein, Lisa Grafstein. Now, if that name rings a bell, it's because I played a clip of her yesterday where she invited Senator Buck Newton to a drag brunch. It's all the rage. Apparently, I had no, so Eric tells me on the Twitter machine, it's a Pete tweet. He says, drag brunch is a limited menu brunch with a drag performance whilst dining. It is innuendo-filled mid-morning dinner theater. So there you go. That's drag brunch. By the way, I am curious. I think we discussed this yesterday. I think it was with producer Chris and Bernie. Why there is no drag racing. How has that not occurred? That was us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Bernie's shaking his head yes. Why is there no drag racing? Of all the drags to drag, right? Of all the events to create, why has that one not, or how about some sort of, I don't know, cigarette or cigar smoking event, right? Drag on cigarette, drags on cigarettes or something like that, right? You, I mean, why? I feel like we're missing some marketing opportunities by simply targeting the kids, you know? Anyway, I digress. The amendment to Senate Bill 579 run by Grafstein <laughs> moves to amend moves to amend the the bill and here's what it says very simple, it's only one sentence and this is her amendment and to regulate materials that are harmful to minors on the internet and to establish a privileged tax on the distribution of materials that are harmful to minors. this this amendment was rejected, <laughs> okay? For a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, let's just break it. There's two parts to this sentence. Okay, Because remember, this is just about increasing penalties for performing pro- prohibited sexual misconduct, right? For for doing that in front of kids. The obscenity laws were written in the 70s. They're not changing. They exist. All it's saying is if you do this stuff in front of kids, you're going to face a stiffer, sorry, a harsher penalty. You're going to, you're going to, you got increased penalties if you do it in front of kids that's it that's all it said and so she tries to tack on this this piece that says and to regulate materials that are harmful to minors on the internet so let's just take that part of the sentence first shall we as far as proposed legislation goes this is crap this is absolute garbage i feel like it warrants it does it warrants us it warns us to take a few steps into
1: <laughs> the zone of dumb assery.
0: Yeah, what's the limiting principle on materials that are harmful to minors on the Internet? I mean, Tipper Gore argued that it was Twisted Sister. Oh, man, did I just date myself with those references? <laughs> right. Yeah, you've got some people. That are going to say, well, if you can download a song off of iTunes. Oh, who am I kidding? You can actually, I I think they age restrict iTunes. So, uh, but like, literally, you could download a song that has explicit lyrics. Oh, how about, oh, I got one. How about this? How about uh, gangster rap? Sorry, gangsta rap. What about gangsta rap? Would that be prohibited content because it's harmful to minors on the Internet? What about that? How about um, any kind of TikTok videos that talk about transgenderism or sex or anything like that? Right? What about that? Right? This is so expansive. This is why you know it's a bad faith effort. And it's not designed to pass because then she throws in this other part of the establish a privilege tax on the distribution of materials that are harmful to minors. So, of course, I mean, being a Democrat, of course, I mean, the natural predilection is to tax everything, right? So you got to throw in the tax component. But So let me get this straight. You're going to say harmful to minors, so now we're going to tax that. Where do, So how do you actually apply that? She doesn't explain any of this. There's no mechanism. That's why I say this is just a bad faith troll. That's all it is. It's a poison pill. The purpose here is to create a talking point, which then, after this thing was defeated, the North Carolina Senate Democrat Twitter account then tried to test drive this talking point. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) And here's what it sounded like. You ready? Didn't every member of the Republican caucus just vote against protecting children from pornography? That's what they, so this was their argument that the Republicans voted against protecting kids from porn. While, right, while running a bill that literally increases the penalties for exposing kids to explicit content. Yeah, this bill passed unanimously. So Democrats are trying to run that talking point that the GOP wants kids to get porn. Meanwhile, they vote for the bill every single one. To a person votes for the bill that increases the penalties. It's this it's just so bad. <laughs> it's just such a terrible talking point attempt. Nobody believes it. It's not working. And honestly, if the media were to treat the Democrats like they treat the Republicans, the headline would be that they are taking our state backwards. Right. Where where is the McClatchy editorial board? Where? Yeah. Where are the journalistic wizards of smart over there? Right. To weigh in and say that this is taking our state backwards. We're going to lose business because of it. We're going to scare off the, the corporate sector. Oh, my gosh. Like we're a laughing stock now. Where, where are all of those editorials going to be? I'll, I'll watch for them. I doubt I'll see them. Because it's different when Democrats do it, don't you know? Oh, hey, real quick. Before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, Radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners, all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at com. That's com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? All right, so a couple of days ago, the Delish, which covers food and beverages reported, quote, experts say the Bud Light boycott is unlikely to cause long-term damage. The story went on to say, quote, many have argued that Bud Light, many have argued, don't know who that would be, but many have argued that Bud Light's partnership with Dylan Mulvaney has caused the company to suffer, citing a 30% drop in sales that sources like Newsweek have pointed out are likely not tied to the campaign. The truth is, Bud Light will likely come out on the other side of this boycott doing just fine. In fact, according to experts, according to experts, they might even be better for it. Update, New York Post. A staggering sales hit for Bud Light is worsening with each passing week following an ill-fated marketing tie-up with transgender social media influencer Dylan Mulvaney with the latest weekly figures showing a staggering 21% drop. Um, Beer volumes, that's the number of cases sold, whether in packs of 12, 18, or 24, beer volumes dropped an even steeper 26% last week versus a 21% drop a week earlier and an initial drop of 11%. So it just keeps getting worse. Don Serber. He writes a substack. He is a retired newspaper man, lives in West Virginia. um, And he says, according to redstate.com, there's a picture that they got of the Bud Light diversity, equity, and inclusion team. It's a picture. And he describes it as, quote, as white as a snowstorm. (laughs) That's their DEI team at Bud Light. In fighting back, conservatives are simply reacting to corporate appeasement of whatever cause the liberals have taken on today. Liberals, meanwhile, are aggressive. They have demanded such things as ditching Aunt Jemima from uh, the uh, the syrup. Right? Syrup? Yeah. Uh, Indian maiden from the Lando Lakes butter logo. She had to go. A smart aleck at the time said that the, uh, the butter people removed the Indian, but kept the land. Isn't that interesting? That, uh, all right. What corporate marketers have forgotten or more likely abandoned is that their job is to sell the product, not the politics. Republicans scold conservatives for not conceding the culture to leftists. Republicans just want to cut taxes. OK, Republicans also start wars to keep defense contract uh, contractors happy, too. But uh, he says, I smile and ignore Republican, pleas." And, you know, Donald, when I, he says, I laughed at Donald Trump, Jr., when he begged us not to boycott Bud Light, because Bud gives Republicans money. Don Jr. needs to grow a spine. Andrew Breitbart died too young, but he said something we should never forget. Politics is downstream from culture. And if you want to know why Nixon won by a landslide in 1972 and Reagan won by landslides in 80 and 84, it's cultural. They were unabashedly and unapologetically Americans. The problem with politics is downstream from culture is that it may instill a kind of stasis in people. You know, oh, I'm raising my kids. We have that reading group we meet every month. Like, this doesn't affect me. Right? You go to your swing dance classes, your reading groups, but you also need to pound on the door of the local school board. Politics cannot wait for culture. Speaking of school board, Brett Jensen will join me in a minute. consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. All right, I want to welcome to the program Brett Jensen from WBT News and the host of Breaking with Brett Jensen, uh, heard weekdays on WBT at 7 o'clock. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? Pretty good. Thank good. you for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, caught a little bit of you this morning with uh, Bo and Beth on the morning show. You were talking about CMS, and uh, and you were talking about the uh, the search for the superintendent. So let's start there. Okay, they've been uh, they've been without a superintendent since they uh, they got rid of the guy with no experience, Ernest Winston. Yep, that happened mid April of last year. last year. Mid April, right? So uh, they were like, "All your experience as a reporter and a chauffeur." apparently did not prepare you for superintendency. So, uh, we're I was g- disappointed that I didn't get offered the job. I thought I actually suggested you should run. You should put your name in there. I thought I could as well. Like I covered CMS for yeah. like a, almost a decade. Like it's been a while. <laughs> but I mean if that's the I mean Ernest used to be a reporter, yeah. so you know. Why not? So, um I, I know Tarja, like is she still there? <laughs> nope. She's gone now. Okay. Jerry Hagler, she's still there. That I don't know. That's okay. a name I've never heard of. Uh, so, no, probably not. Okay, so there. Yeah. Anyway, point here is that uh, they've got an interim superintendent, Crystal Hill, mm-hmm. and she came. Uh, she came to us from Cabarrus mm-hmm. County. Correct. All right, and she was was she a superintendent up there?
1: No, she um, she spent. She was head of academics in Cabarrus County, and then she spent three months as assistant superintendent, three months from until she came to Charlotte. Or okay. CMS. And so I think she officially started in May, even though she had accepted the job like a month and a half earlier. You know, had to play it out and all that. You know. So she's coming up on a year. Uh, Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. It, yeah. She'll be, she'll be here for a year. She became interim superintendent in December, though, because the previous interim superintendent that took over for Ernest was in the job. And he was supposed to go for oh, a that's full right. year.
0: I totally forgot. It's
1: it supposed to be four, 14 months. And he was... Four months into the job, and was like,
0: yeah, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Personal family reasons. Be with his family. Spend eh, more time with his family. Eh. No, that's what he said. Eh. <laughs> so uh, he, that's right, I totally forgot that, yeah, the shortest. So she took over in descent ever. Yep. Yeah. So she took over. She's been doing the job. Mm-hmm. They've been, you know, uh, doing the process. They've been interv- interviewing candidates and stuff, but yep. they're not telling us, like, who the candidates are. Mm-hmm. They're not, are they, is there any intention like, in years past, they would get down to the final three, whatever, they would bring them in, and they would have these community gatherings and let people throw their softball questions at them.
1: No. No. They're Nothing doing like 0. 0. 0.0 of that. Is, so, they're down to the final four. Okay? okay. They started with six. They hired a PR firm, or not, I mean, a headhunting firm. Yeah, yeah. They, the headhunting firm presented them the six. It was seven, and then now six, and now down to four, and... The final round of in-person interviews, which will be the first. All the other ones were by Zoom. This will be in-person interviews Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Privately. We don't know who the names are,
0: like, in But theory. you know in, in one theory. of them. I do. And one of them – oh, hang on a second. Should I do the – I could do the drum roll here. Here's a drum roll for you. Dr. Crystal Hill was oh my gosh. Oh.
1: one of the final six, and I have that confirmed <laughs> by four independent sources that she was one of the final six. And it would, st- and I don't have confirmation on the final four, but it would stand every reason to believe that she would be in the final four. If nothing else, out of professional courtesy, would you agree with that? Absolutely.
0: Every, if you've got somebody that has been doing the job on an interim basis, it's just mean to not include them in the final three for two reasons. Number one, uh, it'll hurt their feelings, right? And if they, if you want them around afterwards, uh, then they're not going to stay. Number two, it undermines your own credibility because why would you have put them in that position in the first place? That's right. If you're not, if you don't think that they're They're top top three material, why would you not have them in? So they always, they're always in the, in the top three, top four, but you do have that confirmed. Any idea on the other three?
1: Uh, I, I do know that it's a total of two women, two men, two white, two black. That's that's what I know at this point.
0: And so, Crystal Hill is a woman, a,
1: a a black female. So there's one other black candidate. That's a male. One other female candidate. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There's a white female and a white male remaining, and then there's a black male remaining.
0: Are there any? What do they call non-traditional candidates? Like so, like like remember years ago when they were looking for one, they were like, maybe get like a, a retired general or something. No, no <laughs>
1: they did that with Ernest Winston.
0: He's not a general. No, but he was they, an untraditional
1: candidate. That's fair. That's <laughs> that, fair. That, that the entire state school board had to change the rules to right. allow him to be
0: superintendent. Well, he was so good. He was so fantastic at, at education policy. Look, I'm all for nontraditional candidates just because – You know, there is something to be said about the skill set for a superintendent in a large school district. I get that. But on the other hand, to me, the model's broken. So all you're doing is bringing in another deck chair on the Titanic. So, all right, that was the first story. The second story, though, is sort of related to Crystal Hill, the superintendent, interim superintendent, top four uh, candidates here. Uh, And that has to do with her husband.
1: Correct. So her husband, Lee Hill. On September 27th of 2022, this past September, resigned from his job as custodial services manager. He was a supervisor over – over he and two others at the supervisor level were over nine managers who then oversaw about you know 20 schools each and the custodians that work in each school.
0: So this is not about the guys that are actually doing the custodial Correct. work in the schoolhouses. Correct. This is about managers of those guys and gals. And the, the top supervisors of those middle managers. Absolutely,
1: 100%. And so, SEMA started doing an investigation last year under Ernest Winston. Hired an outside firm that I believe involved a couple of FBI, ex-FBI agents. We can trust them. Come and, came in in July and told them, hey, all of you are sus- you're suspended with pay pending an investigation. No one knew what the investigation was for. Did Since say- September. And this was in July. This was in July. Oh, July. When they were suspended, okay? You can't talk to your colleagues or coworkers, and no one knew what the investigation was about. September 27th, Lee Hill resigns, Crystal Hill's husband, who is a supervisor of the managers. Within a week, all 11 are gone. 11 custodial managers or supervisors are gone and without ever speaking to HR, without ever going through the, um, the new plan of trying to like, all right, we're going to get you on the right path, without ever saying, don't take overtime. The direct, the, the actual quote in the letter, in the letterhead, um, in the termination letter said, excessive overtime. But they didn't define what excessive meant. Is excessive one hour? Is it five hours? Like 20 hours? What's excessive? It just said, um, and so they were given the option of
0: quitting or being fired. And some were fired, mm-hmm. and some resigned. And that would be fired for cause. Um, and that's really bad if you're trying to get another job in a school. Well, probably not, actually. Um, but excessive overtime was the official reason. That's, so these are people that are, at the supervisor level, approving it, and at the managerial level, they're taking it? That's it. Okay. So this doesn't, again, doesn't apply to the, the schoolhouse staff level. No. They're not racking up the overtime. Right. And I, but here's the problem: five in the morning to open up
1: a school because somebody's out, and right. they have to be the ones that drive. But once they take a phone call, they're supposed to be on the clock, even if it's at four thirty in the morning. If they answer a CMS phone, you're on the clock. Oh,
0: well, obvious answer there,
1: Don't right? Answer your because they because the supervisors were salary, the managers were hourly, the middlemen were hourly, and so they all say it was bogus. But one of those caught up in all of this was the supervisor Lee Hill. The, superint- the interim superintendent's husband. Right. And the school board members knew about this in October. She, that was the old school board. The new school board knew about it as well mm-hmm. and made her interim superintendent. And I called the older one, the one that resigned. Hugh had a ball, called him at his house on Friday, and he lives in Florida, called him at his house. Um and. He thinks that uh, this should have nothing to do with whether or not Crystal Hill gets the job or not as superintendent.
0: More at 7 o'clock, breaking with Brett Jensen. Brett from the WBT News Center. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Anytime, Peter. I appreciate it. Hi, man. Thank you. So uh, before we talked with uh, Brett Jensen about the Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools, uh, I mentioned Don Serber and this piece that he's got over at his Substack. And it's called, You Can't Win If You Don't Fight. And uh, he quotes this Catholic writer, Austin Roos, who says, The problem with politics is downstream from culture. The problem with that philosophy or that axiom is that it may it may instill a kind of stasis in people. Well, I'm raising my kids, and after all, we have that reading group that meets every month. Isn't this how we change the culture? Isn't this how we change politics way down the river? And all the while, right down the street, they're teaching sodomy to children. Sure, learn swing dancing, go to your reading group, but also pound on the door of the local school board. Politics cannot wait for culture. Andrew Breitbart would agree. His, this column predated by three months, the Loudoun County Board of Education having deputies arrest that father, remember that, who complained about a boy in a skirt that raped his daughter in the girls' room? Three months before that school board meeting is when this guy this Catholic writer, Austin Roos wrote that the downstream from that was the election of a Republican governor and a Lieutenant governor. That's a Republican and an attorney general. That's a Republican all in the same election for the first time in the history of Virginia. Right? The left is pushing businesses to adopt leftist ideology. And then it will abandon those businesses when the boycotts begin. I think, I mean, Are the lefties right now rushing out to replace Bud Light? Like, everybody start drinking Bud Light. Do you see that happening? You go under the bus, folks, right under the bus when they don't need you anymore. News is next.